0: what happens psychologically is people don't they'll sell shares at a moment's notice because they're liquid but they won't sell property so you hear about a lot of property millionaires but you don't hear a lot about share millionaires and that's because of the psychology when we actually go about purchasing that type of asset so a property to get in has high costs has stamp duty etc there's um chunky capital gains on the way out you can't just divvy it up and it's very liquid. You can't just sell at a moment's notice, unlike shares. But the difference is banks love property, so the banks are very happy to lend against property, against bricks and mortar.
1: Hello, it's Bernadette Janssen, and before we get into this episode, I need to remind you that the information in this podcast is general in nature and opinion only. It should not be taken as personal advice. There are significant risks with buying and renovating property, and you should maximise your profit potential and minimise your risk by seeking independent advice that relates to your personal circumstances through your own financial planner, accountant, and any other professionals that you are working with. The examples in this podcast are for illustrative purposes only. You're listening to She Renovates, the
0: podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love.
1: Well, hello, it's Bernadette Jansen back with She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to create an income and a life they love. And today we're doing something a little bit different. So basically the topic is buying property in your self-managed super fund. And what I've done is I have brought in a recording of one of the trainings from inside our membership and this the presenter is Mary Benton, who is a member of our community. She's also a financial planner and chartered accountant. Now self-managed super funds are a bit of a minefield. You really do need to work with someone who knows what they're doing. And so Mary's going to shed some light on what's possible at the moment with them. Important to note that this information is general in nature and should not be taken as personal advice. You need to get advice from your own uh, specialist, your own financial planner or accountant that relates to your personal circumstances to make sure that you make the right decisions in your property journey. So thank you. So I'm going to hand you over to Mary now. And I know that you're going to really enjoy this. Okay, so we've got Mary Benton on. I think for those of you who didn't read the intro, Mary is, she's a renovator, first and foremost. She ha- is a financial planner, and she has her own business. And she is also a mortgage broker. Have you got any other strings in your bow, Mary? I'm a Chartered Accountant as well in England, Wales and Australia. There we go, so yeah, she's the full package based in Melbourne and she's on a steep trajectory to improve her own financial position with renovating but tonight she's going to be talking about buying property in a self-managed super fund and I'm really looking forward to it so thank you Mary.
0: All right. so guys let's get into it so self-managed super fund some of you might already have a self-managed super fund some of you might be thinking about a self-managed super fund but generally with the community that I'm talking to tonight the reason we'd be looking at it is to buy property and hold property through it so I'm going to take you through some of the things that work or don't work and why it, why a self-managed super fund might be good for you if, I, if there's things I don't cover we'll get to questions at the end you can always ask me, or as we're going through it, if there's any questions on any slides please ask me some of it I will go through quite quickly because they don't matter too much, and it's not so important, and some of it we'll be going through um, in a bit more detail. Right? So, for those of you who don't know, a super fund is just a trust structure, so it does not it's not an actual legal entity, a super fund, it's just a trust, but unlike normal trusts which have an 80-year life, a super fund has no end date. So if you could make it that the beneficiaries keep changing over, it, it, it never closes, it can keep going. Alright, so what we're going to go through today is why would you own property inside Super in the first place? What's the benefits of that? Uh, We're going to have a quick look at how much you need to get started because that seems to be the uh, big um, question on everybody's lips is well how much dollars does it take and what does it cost to actually maintain it as we go along? And then I'm just going to take you through the process if you buy property you renovate with um, and without borrowings. Some people actually have enough investments already inside their Super Fund to not have to go to the banks. Um, But either way let's talk our way through what happens and obviously because I'm talking to a community of renovators we want to look at what can we do in terms of renovating if we want to renovate property that's inside a self-managed super fund, are we allowed to or not allowed to? Because there's a few questions around that and again I'll give you some guidance. And then of course we've still got a looming election which has slowed up the market which we all know. I've got my house up for sale at the moment, many streets up for sale etc. We know the market's gone really slow and that's because of the pending elections and the changes that are likely to come if um, certainly if federal, federally Labor gets in. So we'll have a quick look at that as well and see what might happen in the future. So that's me, I work out of a company called Plan for Wealth. We're based down in southeast Victoria, but I travel all over the country anyway. And i have to give you an advice warning i'm going to be talking to you today in general terms if you've got specific questions i'm supposed to not answer those specific questions but i can just send you a link we can book up telephone chats and then we can go through it personally anyway all right so let's take the first one why should you own property inside superannuation in the first place well those of you who don't know property itself actually has a lot of advantages over shares when you're looking at property i'm talking to the converted here we're all property investors we know that anything that you look at statistically that says that here's the returns on property versus here's the returns on shares show pretty much that the returns are about the same if anything shares might actually have a slight advantage they might actually make more returns than than property but what happens psychologically is people don't, they'll sell shares at a moment's notice because they're liquid, but they won't sell property. So you hear about a lot of property millionaires, but you don't hear a lot about share millionaires. And that's because of the psychology when we actually go about purchasing that type of asset. So a property to get in has high costs, has stamp duty, etc. There's um, chunky capital gains on the way out, you can't just divvy it up, and it's very illiquid. You can't just sell at a moment's notice, unlike shares. But the difference is banks love property, so the banks are very happy to lend against property, against bricks and mortar. You know, sometimes you have to look at the banks and wonder why they do half of what they do, and at the moment they're definitely tightening up. That's one of the advantages of property, even inside super. So that's why we love property, we know we can get extra value out of it. But inside super itself, members inside a self-managed super fund can own, in Australia, can own direct property. There's certain restrictions, but you can pretty much own direct property inside the super fund, which means you get access to all of the tax advantages. Um, And you can borrow inside the super fund still to buy property. So the reason that you wouldn't buy it, obviously, is that when you do buy property, you're going to use all of your cash to buy a property, or most of your cash anyway. So you're going to your, your portfolio, if you imagine it should be balanced across cash, shares, and, and property, there's going to be a time where it's overweight property. But if you buy really well and you know what you're doing, that's not going to be an issue. And for those of us who invest in property anyway, we love property, so we know exactly what we're doing when we do that. Um, you do have restrictions as how you can use it and it is illiquid, etc. and we know all of that. Um, So you must make sure before you buy property inside a self-managed super fund that it's going to work for all of the members. So I'll give you an example. When me and my uh, now ex-husband split up and we had two properties inside our super fund at the time and we decided it was only the two of us as members and we wanted to sell uh, or close down the super fund because he didn't want anything to do with any of my investments anymore, we had to sell the property that was in there before we could actually close down the fund. So it took a number of years to go through and do all of that. So you just have to be very careful with how you do it, and there's some rules around it that you must watch. The most important rule of anything in any self-money super fund is a thing called the sole purpose test, and that's where you have to make sure that the purpose of of the asset, the investment, is for the sole purpose of providing for your retirement. Now if you're in a fund that's got adults and children, then it might be that the property works because it's liquid it might work for the children it might not work for the parents if they want to draw income off it etc so you've got to make sure the asset will actually work for everybody in the fund. If you are maintaining a property as well you know that you would have a lot of costs of repairs and maintenance as you go along and you've got to make sure you've got cash flow in place and liquidity to be able to maintain all of that. So the advantages of a self managed super fund itself is that it does give you control it gives you flexibility over exactly what you invest into and anybody that again already has a self-managed super fund will have gone into that deliberately so that they can have more control over the investments they've got and over the timing of assets and uh, what they do with their money it does potentially have less tax over time and it has lower costs over time as well and with a self-managed super fund you can invest into direct property and definitely business property but residential as well so you've got those extra advantages And holding real property is suited to real estate investors in particular. But be very careful if you're planning to buy, for instance, residential property, you cannot let related parties use or lease that property. You've got to be really careful about that. And you can't purchase it off what's called related parties and you can't um, sell it to a related party either. Business real property, on the other hand, you can actually deal with yourself. You can sell your own property or your factory or something to your self-managed super fund and you can rent it off your self-managed super fund. works really well with traders and people who own business real property. So that's things like shops and offices and farms and that. You can also still borrow to buy that property too. So if you're fed up with paying rent for your business and you want to go and buy an office, for instance, and you've got money inside your super, you can start a self-managed super fund, choose the money in it to be the deposit, and you can go and buy your own office space. And then what you do is you've got the added advantage that you're still renting it, but you're renting it off yourself, and you're paying rent to yourself, so you're upping the amount of money you can get into the super fund. So if you are in any situation where you think that owning commercial property works for you, it's a real, real bonus to have a self-managed super fund. Alright, so that's just why we would own property. I'm talking preaching to the converted because you already know that you love property as an asset and you know you can make money from it. Inside super obviously you have tax advantages, so you know all of that. But how much money do you actually need to get started when you're putting money into the Super? Now because the current rules allow trustees to borrow and that has not changed, even though the banks have decided to be a bit stupid late, it's actually known as what's called limited recourse lending. So when the bank lends money into the super fund, they have to lend, not to the super fund itself, but to a what's called a bear trust that holds the property on behalf of the super fund. So it's a trust sitting below your super fund trust. And the banks, if they lend, or whoever lends into your super fund, is limited to the assets of that separate trust. So let's say you default on it, you borrow a million dollars, and for whatever reason you default on that loan. All the bank can do is go after the property that they secured against. They cannot go after any of the other assets of your self-managed super fund. And this is the way that the government set it up so that they could protect all of the members of the fund against having their assets taken away in case, for whatever reason, markets go bad or things turn around and they can't make the payments. They didn't want to jeopardize everybody's retirement. So the bank takes extra risk in that case when they lend into a self-managed super fund. Because of that extra risk, banks tend to charge a higher interest rate. At the moment, ridiculously high. You see them at even up to 8%. Used to be there around 6, 6.5%. But at the moment, there's a lot of banks that are putting the rates up because they can, because banks just aren't lending anymore. They lend as well at a very low loan-to-value ratio, so an LVR. And most banks, some will lend even below 60%, but most will lend around the 60%, 65%. There are still some lending at 80%, but you will not get above that. So commercially, they'll lend less, so they've covered off their risk in case you default, and they will charge you more for the for the purposes. And they will also charge you very high fees to actually set the loan up. So, for example, if you go to borrow against your home, you might pay you know $350, $600 to the bank for setting up your loan. If you go into a self managed super fund, it could be it's $5,000. So you you need to know those extra costs of getting in and borrowing a lot higher. The good news is you can borrow from a bank or a related party. So mum and dad can actually go and borrow against their home and then lend that money into their self-managed super fund and the mum and dad can actually become the bank to their own self-managed super fund. But even then the tax officers said that we need to be very careful and commercial about the interest rates that we're lending and borrowing at and the repayment terms that we lend and borrow over, but it's a way of making sure we reduce our risk as well. So that's where borrowing sits at the moment. Now, In terms of what the banks are looking for when they even go to lend you against that property, they still want you to have around 200,000, 250,000 in cash before they'll lend you money on top of that. You don't have to use all of that for the property, but they want to see that you've got a certain amount of money left over even after you've bought the property. I've always said to clients that if you haven't got between you around two hundred thousand, or that you've got capacity to get to two hundred thousand pretty quickly, then let's not look at doing the self-funded super fund just yet, because it can cost you at least two thousand dollars a year to run the fund, even without you know borrowing and property. So that would be about one percent fees if you got two hundred thousand dollars, which you really you want to try and stay around one percent if possible. But the bonus of a self-managed super fund is that you can have up to four members, and there's talk of increasing that as well. So across all four members, that's only $50,000 each. So it's easy if you can get together with a few other people, put your money, like mums and dads and a couple of kids, put your money together, and get to your $250,000 to get started. You really need to allow in that enough money that whatever property you're planning to buy, you've covered off your, let's say, 30% deposit, Let's say 5% stamp duty, and then about 2% on top of that for anything the bank and solicitors and everybody want to charge you. On top of that, you need to have a little bit of money left over so that you can pay for you know, ongoing costs of the funds, so the and asset tax office, etc. every year. Now, the one thing about the borrowing rules and regulations, and they're very tightly controlled, is that you cannot borrow to renovate. So if you're going to improve a property, you have to already have that cash sitting inside the super fund. So let's say a property is going to cost you a million dollars and you've got to put up $300,000 and you've got another 50,000 stamp duty or whatever the cost is, another couple of thousand, 20,000 say for borrowing costs and all of those. You might therefore need to have about 370,000, 400,000 in the fund, but if it's going to cost you 100,000 or 200,000 to renovate, you need to have that as well. So you need to have another 100 or 200,000 sitting there. And the reason I've put 110% here of any planned renovations is that 10% um, contingency number. Because nothing ever costs us what we think it's gonna cost us, we always run over. So we have another 10% to cover off those contingencies as well. So that's pretty much what you'd need. You cannot be seen to be borrowing for renovations. So that's, that's how much dollars you'd need. Again, anybody's welcome to have a copy of these slides so you can recalculate any of that if you wanted to. But the process that you go about buying property inside or outside of a super um, If you've got a commercial, uh, commercial property, you can buy it from a related party or you can buy it from somebody external and you can obviously lease it to an external party or to a, um, a related party. But if you've got residential property, you can buy it by a super fund, you can lease it um, to an arm's length person, but, and you can borrow against it, but you cannot buy it from a related party or live in it or have anybody live in it. So quite often I'll get asked the question, I've got a teenage daughter thinking of going to university, I've got money in my super fund, I'm thinking of buying an apartment in the city so that they can live there while they're at, while they're at uni. That's fine in your own name but you can't do it, and even then you've got to be careful, but inside a super fund it's an absolute no-no, you just can't do it. And don't think that they won't find out because it's not something you want to risk. The penalties if you get it wrong and you breach the sole purpose test or one of these tests, is the tax office can actually charge you 47% of the value of the assets of the fund as a penalty. So if you've got a $5 million self-managed super fund, it doesn't matter that you've only breached it with $10,000. They can come after you for pretty close to $2.5 million of that $5 million as a penalty. So let's don't even try risking it. It's not worth it. All right. So if you want to go about acquiring what we call business real property, so commercial property, and you want to acquire it from a related party, you can as long as it is commercial property, and there's some tests on that. Um, It has to be, the dominant purpose is that it's used for commercial use, so for business purposes. It doesn't matter whose business it is, it could be yours or it could be somebody else's, um, but it has to be dominant purpose. And this is one of the things that the Royal Commission brought up and I was completely confused about, because they talked about a bed and breakfast and said that it wasn't able to be owned anyway by a self-managed super fund because the owner was actually going to live in the bed and breakfast that's perfectly acceptable under the Tax Act. The person living there would be using say a manager's like one bedroom out of the five or whatever they've got and their living there is incidental to the management and the ownership of the property so that's actually allowed under the Tax Act and I'm not really sure what all the kerfuffle was about that. I think that was more about the fact that Westpac stuffed up on loan to be honest but So the purpose of the property has to be for commercial purposes and then anybody can rent it, whether it's related parties or or an external party can rent it. So that's whether it's office, shop, factory, farm, etc. So just as an example, let's say we were renting something out because, again, this this matters if we're, say, airbnb being a property, for instance. If we've got a block of units and there's 20 units in the block, and that block of units is basically being managed as a business because the rental is a, is a full-time property rental business, then that actually is a commercial property. It's in the business of um, renting out a property. It could be wherever it'd be in it on a large scale. But even said, use the example, there's only two units in that block. And even if the manager, a member, manages the rental off, and that's more like passive income, so that's more like an investment property, that's not commercial. So the property itself might be residential, but it's not been operated as a business, therefore it's not commercial property. So if you're in doubt with any of this, you can go to the tax office and get a private ruling on it. Um, the last one, the bed and breakfast, you know, the, there's one bed and breakfast, but four bedrooms are let out of five. The member lives there full time. It's just incidental use. It's still considered to be commercial. So it can be owned by, acquirable by a self-owned super from yourselves. Your and it can obviously be then borrowed against or lent against. So, um, I think I said this before, but obviously banks are lending, but they're just getting ahead of it um, quite rapidly at the moment, for some unknown reason. Um, Following the Royal Commission, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they got some inside knowledge on what the hell's going on, because the whole Haynes Royal Commission report just didn't even make a lot of sense on a lot of scale, so it sounds like the government and banks are in cahoots, but we'll find that out. But even if the bank lends or it's borrowed from a related party like yourselves, those related parties or the commercial loans have to be on arm's length, so commercial terms. And there's a thing called safe harbour rules within the Tax Act now that spells out what those arm's length terms are. And the arm's length terms include the terms of repayments as well as the um, interest rate. If any loan does not meet those rules, then it's deemed to, well they can just shut it down straight away and they can penalise you. So you just need to make sure you're meeting the safe harbour rules and that includes even if it means back pain, interest, etc. Be very careful when you're doing this, just make sure it com- complies. But again, if a mum and dad is lending in, let's say you borrowed at 4% and you lend to your super fund and you have to charge your super fund 7% for instance, because that's the rate, low at something like 5.8%, it just means that the super fund is paying you back quicker. It's not a problem, the fact that you're having to restructure your loan a certain way if you lend in, because your cost is actually still lower. So here's how it works. The bank makes a loan to the self-money super fund itself. Self-money super funds already sitting on a load of cash, remember? So the super fund that adds that loan money to its own cash goes through what's called a security trust or bear trust which only is set up to own this property on behalf of the self-managed super fund, because the super fund itself is not legally allowed to borrow. So it puts the money in the bear trust, figuratively, it doesn't even open the bank account, this is all on paper. The bear trust then goes and buys direct property. Um, The security trustee owns the legal ownership of the, um, the property, as I said, and after the loan is paid off, the property goes back to the self-managed super fund. So the bear trust just disappears. Its sole purpose is to own that property for the period of the loan, and then it just like dissolves, and the property goes back to the self-managed super fund. Now that can cause some issues in some states, particularly Queensland, where when the property changes from the ownership of the bear trust back to the ownership of the self-managed super fund, the state revenue office decided that it wanted to tax that again for duty purposes. So there are some very clever lawyers up in Queensland who have managed to get around that. So if you're going to buy a property in Queensland, at all, you must, must, must contact somebody before you do it. Before you even get to the point of signing an offer or a contract to sale. Not even before settlement, before you sign the contract to sale. Otherwise you can be up for double duty. So be very careful about that. And then obviously the lenders, the bank etc hold security over the property only, limited recourse loan, cannot go after any of the other assets of the self-managed self So that's pretty good. So if you were going to buy a property and borrow to do it, you'd need to make sure that the property itself still went through the normal borrowing requirements. So the bank still has to like the property, has to think it's worth the money, it has to think it's a um, good value, it has to think it would be able to sell, et etc. Then you have to make sure that your trustee is going to allow borrowings, otherwise you just an your trust deed. You set up your trust, your security or bear trust, and then and only then you enter the contract of sale. Because in Queensland in particular, you have to have the trust in place before you can sign and execute that contract of sale. Otherwise it's deemed that the contract of sale is non-void because the trust didn't exist at the time. Places like Victoria, you can just sign it and or nominee and set the trust up later, but you can't do that in Queensland. Then you execute all the loan documents, settle on the property as per normal. And you just, be as I say, be careful with stamp duty in different states. So the actual purchase of a property is no different if you're buying it in your own name, you're just buying it with the trust as the owner. So what do the banks want? As per normal, they look at you to see whether or not you're trustworthy or a creditworthy customer. So they're looking at either you because you're borrowing against your own home or they're looking at the self-managed super fund as the borrower and this is where it used to be really good but they're tightening it up because then all you had to do was show that the self-managed super fund or your super funds had been receiving super contributions at a certain level for the previous two years or it was a new super fund and they were going to receive contributions and you just had to show the current assets and then what the rental was on the property. And as long as all of that combined to support the amount of the repayments and the borrowing, the bank were happy. It was a really, really simple exercise. There was minimal risk to the bank effectively because they're only lending somewhere between 60 and 80% and they're charging a really high interest rate. So from a liability point of view, this is a safer bet for them to service this than it was to even lend you money against your own home or something because it's mandated laws about how much has to go into super, 9.5% of what you're earning, etc. So there was really there was a really good track record and it was a really good story. But the banks since seem to have tightened up on all of this. And obviously they demonstrated savings just like normal is shows them the ability to service the loan and they like to see a certain amount of cash left over so that they know even if you get into difficulties, you've got enough money say to pay the first year's worth of, of loan repayments. So let's, before we get back, I'll get into the current landscape right at the end about what's happening today. But let's just talk about renovating per se, because we are the school of renovating. And what limited recourse borrowing does, or within, within a super fund, so a super fund can run a business in certain, in certain circumstances, but what it can't do when it's got a borrowing arrangement in place, it's got very strict restrictions on what it can do it has what's called a single acquirable asset test. So if you buy a three-bedroom residential house, for instance, there are rules that say that it has to stay a residential house. You cannot change the nature, so you can't bulldoze the house and sell the land as vacant land. You can't buy vacant land and build a house on it because you've changed the nature of the asset from land to house or from house to land. But you could, for instance, renovate from three-bedroom to four-bedroom, you could put a swimming pool in the garden, you could put on a double garage because it's still a house, a residential house. So when, when the tax office talks about the nature of an asset, they're actually quite broad when they talk about it. It's actually really good and there's, there's sections in the CIS Act, the Superannuation Act, in seven, section 67A and B, which actually goes through all of the examples of what they mean by this and it's a, it's a really good section. Lots and lots of information. Happy to get the email out to anybody that wants to look at it. If you're in any doubt, just go through that section. The only thing is you can't borrow for those renovations. So if you were buying a place and you needed to repair it, then potentially you could repair it with borrowed money at the time, but you can't improve the asset with borrowed money. So you have to have enough savings or enough way of getting extra contributions into super to be able to do those, carry out those improvements. That brings us to a a slightly different issue around it, and that is that getting money into super in the first place can also be an issue. So if you've maxed out your contributions into super and you need to get the money in there to do the renovation, you've just got to wait. Because if you renovate it with your own money outside super, it will be a deemed contribution. You'll have exceeded your caps and you won't be able to um, get the tax deductions you could actually be penalised because of that so if you don't have any loans whatsoever um, you can just go ahead and renovate it's no problem because you've got as long as you've got money in there again you can just do the renovation not worry about it but if you have got borrowing against it make sure that you aren't borrowing any more money or using any of that borrowing money to renovate as I said go through the sections of the ATR regulations as well 2012 and just check that you're not changing the nature of the asset now, I've put in there the splitters and sliders, because I know that's one, Bernadette, that you like to um, look at in Queensland. It is. If, yeah, if you bought yourself a double block that was a splitter, and you then took the property and moved it to one side, and now you've got a block of land and you've got a house, you've just changed the nature of that asset as far as the self-managed super fund is concerned. So that one wouldn't work through super, but you could buy any other property and like many street for instance and you could improve it and then sell it and that would be okay through super as long as you've got the money inside your super fund already to to improve it all right Does that makes sense yep okay so just on the current landscape i know i've gone half an hour so i'm going to um, start bringing it to a close and i just want to go through some of these and then we can have some time for questions so at the moment with um you know bill on the sidelines waiting jumping at the bit to get into government it's lot of uncertainty and that uncertainty is actually slowing down the whole of the housing market not just, um, it's actually slowing down super funds as well to be honest. So there's been no change whatsoever to the legal rules about what's allowed what's not allowed in self-money super funds, we can still have what's called limited recourse borrowing arrangements, we've still got the single acquirable asset restrictions while the borrowing is in place and we know in Australia we have a growing need for housing etc so it's not like Anything's changed, nothing's changed, but the whole housing market has slowed down because not only is Bill planning to potentially remove negative gearing, which could crash the whole housing market, it's talk of them stopping the ability for super funds to be able to borrow at all anyway, so they don't be able to do this if you have cash, and you need quite a lot of cash to buy the properties, you know. And because of that, banks are pulling out of the lending space. They're, after Certainly after the Royal Commission, they're very, very gun-shy in terms of borrowing. And like I say, the stuff that came up in the Royal Commission around self phone super funds, technically they were allowed to do. The, the, what what's, and I, For those of you who don't know the story, I'll repeat what I heard as I heard it. And that was a, a Scottish lady, you might remember her in tears, because she went to her financial planner first and... We don't know whether she ever approached the bank or not. Financial planner said, yes, no problem, you can borrow inside the, um, you can set up a self-managed super fund to buy a bed and breakfast, which is what she wants to do, and you can borrow for that purpose. So his power planner apparently told him no, oh, you can't. I tell you now, his power planner was wrong, he was correct. That's not the way it was painted in the Royal Commission. The problem was, she then went away and sold her house and gave up her job, and then went to buy the uh, bed and breakfast. And at that stage, the bank, which in this case was Westpac, said, well, why would we lend to you? You've got no income. We don't know how you're gonna run this business. And so they said no to the loan. So she's in tears then, because by then she sold her house, she can't start the business, et cetera. So wherever the stuff up came up, which is probably a breakdown between the bank and the borrowing and the approval of it. The technical thing about it, she could have bought a bed and breakfast through herself on a soup and, and borrowed to do so was co- was correct, she could. But anyway, partly because of that, I think banks are withdrawing there from this lending space. They've seen it as too risky. They never understood it. I'd have massive arguments with their legal departments while we were going through it to explain to them the rules because they didn't understand it. And um, I think that's basically why they're withdrawing, it's the whole smell around Royal Commission, they just don't want anything to do with that. On top of that we are getting things like 15 year terms and a lot higher interest rates, so it is actually damping down on the whole um, property market anyway. And if, as I say, if, if Labour get in and they start changing some of the rules, we might not be able to borrow anyway, so it's going to restrict it a lot more. But you will still find that where people run businesses and they have plans to move commercial property into a self-managed super fund, it makes absolute sense and it's a really good thing to do. But like I say, it's causing a lot of uncertainty at the moment in the whole housing sector. So those of us sitting on the sidelines waiting to sell, we're just sitting here waiting. So just last slide, or pretty last I think, is if you are going to set up a self-managed super fund, there's a lot of things you've got to do. Obviously setting it up, there's a lot of things that go into that in the first place. If you then decide you want to buy a property and you want to do borrowing, you've got to set up the whole borrowing as a separate stage, buying the property and a lot of things to do in that. And then obviously you um, start your investing and you've got your ongoing as well with the super fund. So you've got a lot of things on a manual basis to look after. But look at it this way, if you are a property investor and you already have a property and you're used to renting it out or you're used to renovating, etc., you're going to be putting in tax returns at the end of the year anyway, you're going to be collecting rent, you're going to be used to paying rates and repairs and things. It's no different, it's just you're doing it in a separate legal entity and you're responsible for keeping the books. There are some people that walk in my doors that I would say you should not be setting up a self phone super because they can't even do their own personal tax return, They're no a PAYG employee. But anybody that's got the nice and the abilities to run, run their own business is definitely suited to being able to run a self managed super fund as well. So suitable for clients who have enough money that are happy to take legal, uh, take responsibility for looking after the books, who definitely have obviously the legal capacity. And if you decide that you want to own property and you're happy to renovate and you can meet the rules, then holding property inside the self managed super fund makes absolute sense. So when I'm looking at clients and I'm talking, let's say I've got 20 year olds come in my office and want to do it. They can set this as a goal for maybe when they're 30, that they're going to use their super to look after it. Super is a long term investment and property is a long term investment. So it makes complete sense to have buy and hold properties inside a super fund, especially if you then can rent them out and make some good income off them. It's not so good if you want to be churning it or using it to develop, because you've got to be really careful about the rules around running a business through the super. Um, it's definitely not suited for people who are time poor, who don't understand legal complexity and who don't even want to be involved in any of that. So let's have a look, yeah, so we've got lots of paper, you can't be time poor, you've just got to be careful and there are costs involved in doing that. So just be careful of how you get money in. How you access money out, and the penalties if you don't do it. I'm not going to run through any of that. If anybody's getting close to age, well, these dates, really, so where are we now? Anybody born before July 60, hang on, 55, that would have been 2015, that's 2017. So we're up to anybody born before basically June 1962 at the moment, or anybody really before June 1964. You're so close to being able to access your super anyway, you're sort of mad if you aren't putting loads of money in super at the moment. And having it in a self-money super fund if you're interested in property makes complete sense. So don't get it wrong because it's not worth it. Penalties up to 47% of the fund assets, so just keep a check through your accountant as you go along. But otherwise it's it's, um, uh, very well worth looking at. It's long-term, tax-effective investing, it can be complex, but at the end of the day, if you're already used to property, it's pretty good. Just navigate carefully, and just know that
1: it's not for everybody to do. That. Yeah. Awesome! Great. Thanks so much, Mary. Actually, I've got the first question. Okay, go for it. So, can you buy with vendor finance through your self-managed super fund?
0: Well, because a super fund pretty much can only sign one contract, you can't have more than two payments. So you couldn't have more than a deposit and settlement. Mm -hmm. So if you think vendor finance, normally that's where you would do it in more than two payments. So you might have a large deposit, and that's okay, and the balance paid like, you know, two years later or three years later or something. But if you can set it so it's only in two payments, then
1: theoretically yes. If you set it
0: so it's more than two payments, then no. But
1: if you're borrowing from the bank, the bank will be paid payments. Yeah, that's loan repayments
0: because you get owners. So when you do vent, oh, so you're saying, not, you're saying not installments where you have, I have a lot of farming clients around me, so I have okay. to be careful. My okay. farming clients will sell um, a farm now for a down payment, and then they'll have two or three installments over the next five or ten years. And they'll sell them for, you know, two million each time. And every time you do it, you have to go back and recalculate the original price and the original capital gains tax. So if you're buying through a super fund, you wouldn't be able to do it that way. But what you're okay. saying is if the vendor wants to be the lender to yes. your super fund, then yes, the vendor okay. can absolutely. They just have to meet those safe harbor rules. They have to say, well, they have to meet the interest rate and they have to meet the terms and make sure it's less than a 15-year term. And they're charging interest at the proper commercial rates. And then, yeah, it's fine. Anybody can be a lender.
1: Great. Right. I found that really helpful. I know of some people who are doing renovations, who are doing flips in their self-managed super fund. And yeah. I always wondered whether that would, how they were doing that because I know you're not meant to be conducting an enterprise and clearly they're breaking the rules because you support that. So the way
0: that I do it, like it, you, you can, a super fund can run a business. You just got to be really careful. Like it can't be too actively trading so yeah. you just have to be really careful and I'd always go and get um, advice I'd get an actual private ruling on it just to be set um, but if you say you're flipping and you're flipping every year or two years or something then you could say it's just an investment normal just turnover of property it's if you're flipping every three months I'd be, I'd be a bit more careful because you're a developer and you're crossing the line and you have to be really really careful on showing that you're not using any borrowed funds to do certain things you're only using assets inside the super fund etc it's yeah. where you mix borrowings and anything you have to be really super careful but here's how i usually advise clients it's quite simple there are some properties we buy which we intend to hold on to for a long time and there's some properties we intend to flip so yeah. if you're going to flip them i do them in your own name or i do them through the company because that's showing income and And that's good for when you want to service debt. So the things you're going to flip, you want to have in your personal company and draw a wage from it. But if you're planning to hold it long term and you're, even if you Airbnb it, but you're going to hold it long term, then I'd keep them in the super fund because that way. And you you can always change your mind. You see a a really good offer. So you decide to sell. It doesn't mean you've got to keep it forever. Yeah. But I just distinguish my property portfolio between what's going to generate income and turnover quite quickly I'd keep in the company and what's a long-term hold I'd put in my super fund. That's
1: right. That's right. So I think that answers Mary's question too. She asked, can you buy a unit with borrowing, renovate yeah. and sell within your super fund, say, within six months?
0: Yeah. So yeah. you can buy a unit without borrowings, renovate and sell. Yes, you can. Um, if you did it a few times over the... The tax officer would say you're definitely running a business, so they might try and tax you differently. But if you're, um, you do that once, and then the next one you hold for five years or something, they're not going to think you're running a business doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's not something
0: you could do on a regular. No, day. you just have to be careful because they're going to come back and say they want to tax you differently, They'll tax yeah. you on a revenue account, not not, yeah. um, you know, capital. Yeah.
1: So just another question, a bit around the environment at the moment. So banks make their money out of lending money. Yeah, yeah. So what's going to happen? Well, at the moment, banks have decided, and they're making crazy decisions
0: at the moment in the whole of this financial space, But they've decided that the risk is not worth the profits. Um, they know that they made good money. They know that they were lending it, you know, eight cents or something, but they've decided it's not worth that. So they've just... A lot of them have backed out. Now having said that, I've still got really good banks that lend, so there's one, two, three, four, I've got six at least on this list that are lending still into self-managed funds. They're not all out, and that's including okay. one, one big tier, but it's just that there's, there, there's less of them. It used to be that you could go and you know talk to anybody, and as long as you're buying the property, they lend against, like say AMP for instance, lent against residential property so you could buy that in your own name in a trust in a company or in super and yeah. now they're backing out of lending to super which yeah. is just it just it just begs belief because a super fund is just a trust so what? yeah yeah but anyway that's what they're so there's some of them are just getting out so yeah there's they'll still make enough money let's not let's not cry about the banks losing money <laughs> I, <think they'll, laughs> I don't think they're gonna
1: go broke <laughs> no actually I had I had some a group that I'm working with at mo- the moment. They're doing a JV. They got a loan approved for a property, yeah. and in this in the sort of cooling off period, the property they bought was less than 50 square meters. And in the cooling off period, they decided that they were going to whack an extra $5,000 penalty because it was undersized. Wow. i was actually saying to them i think they need to go to the financial ombudsman because the other thing is that they actually didn't tell them that until the 11th hour so you know they went ahead with it but it's really you know it's not good
0: yeah well i know at one stage because apra changed the rules all the time this isn't apra this is just bank deciding making decisions but apra changed the rules at one stage about how much a bank could hold between what was investment properties and what was owner-occupied. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and they just came out with this rule and said, overnight, that's it, your banks, your books have to be balanced at this level. And and there were some banks, for instance, that were over, because they'd been over lending against investment, and overnight they had to not make any more lending, even if they had contracts that were about to settle the next day. So then the banks were going out having to compensate clients because they couldn't legally settle on it for them. but But they weren't allowed to leave clients out of pocket they had to compensate them but there's nothing they could do because the government overnight just changed the rules so we've gone through a couple of years of this stuff which has been pretty you know awful and hard to navigate Uh, but this latest stuff it it does make you question are they starting to pull out because they know something that we don't like obviously they can't tell what the outcome of the election is going to be and we're all hoping that Mm. excuse me i'm not being party political here but because I vote all over the way, but nobody at the moment wants to vote Labour because of the fact that they're going to potentially crush our housing market. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. But do the banks know that regardless of who it is, they're both parties are moving towards some middle ground of stopping borrowing in super funds or something? I don't know.
1: It just... It's it's funny because um, I used to work with a financial planner in um, he's from the oh the Hunter Valley. He was always really great and really pro-property and then all of a sudden he said, look, I am not recommending any of my clients invest in property in their self-managed super fund anymore because I'm just too concerned about what the government's playing at and it's concerned that they're going to retrospectively legislate and, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, they
0: should grandfather it, so they should protect mm. what's already in place. They usually do, so I'm not so worried about that, but I, I did start... Advising clients about um, oh nearly 12 months ago now not to buy at the moment Like mm. I'm not talking about renovators that could see a deal and could work it out or split or whatever But just um, people who were just going to do a buy and hold normal investment property Yeah, yeah. Um, about 12 months or about last June, July I started saying to them just wait Just wait mm. for another 12 months or so until this settles and then you can work out what to do Because property is long-term investment if we get it, like, you know, me, you, et cetera, we can see that we've got extra value to release from it. Yeah. But people that just buy it as is and stick a long-term tenant in there, that that, that mm. was riskier beyond last June. So I was just saying just hold off for a bit. But, I, you know, I, I'm telling them now, I'm telling first home homeowners in particular, I'm ready to get back in go and yeah. go and, you know, start doing a deal because there's deals to be had like mm-hmm. that.
1: Oh, it's great time for first time owners. Yeah,
0: great time. Yeah.
1: Well, it's really great time for everyone.
0: Yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah, for buying. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 And those of us that have got a property
0: and are selling, but as long as we're buying again at the same time, it's still okay. Yeah. So exactly. Me with my home, it's still all right. You with Rennie Street, bit different. Hold on to it. Wait yeah. I just don't see that. The I just I'd be very surprised if I'd expect to see Labor do a backflip if they want to get in because I don't think people will vote for them when they think the yeah. house go down
1: yeah I'd agree with that that was really really awesome thank you so much very methodical in how you've gone through it we've got a cozy little group tonight I think because we changed the date but that's fine yeah that this is going into the archive and people will go in and and watch it when they're um, ready and if you are watching this on the replay and you do have a question please come over and ask it on the Facebook page yep Yep. Yep. so thank you Mary really great having you and you've got your details there thanks for that thanks, thank guys. you so much take yeah. care bye Mary to discover how to harness the power of renovating check out the school of